Okay, let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come before you humbly with the privilege in our hearts to study your word. We just pray now that you'll guide us in this study by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 5. This is uh, as much this is as much our story as it is the story for the Israelites because our Savior and the promise of our Savior is embedded in the lives and history of these people. Of course, God has made certain infallible promises up to this point and from this point onward, we'll be adding to that. It's, it's a great study to start with Genesis, especially what, 315, the seed of the woman, and, and then just like an investigator who is profiling a suspect or something, go all the way through the Old Testament and see how the Lord more and more sharply defines the identity of the Christ so that by the time you come to the end of Malachi, uh, you, you have not only the nation and the tribe and the family, but you also, you also have um, the place where he'll be born and the time frame when uh, he will be born. So, as I said, moving through Exodus and all the books of Moses and all the way through the Old Testament, it's as much our story as it, as it is theirs. Uh, so, so we take all of this to heart, and we also find ourselves having the same experiences that these people have, not just the people in general, but uh, the, the people who are, who are named characters uh, all the way through. So let's look at Exodus chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh. Okay, let's think back. Moses began to express his personal weakness. Uh, his, it could see that his veiled desire was simply not to do this. He was content in a, in a wilderness tending to his father-in-law's sheep. Uh, he, was, he, he suffered a defeat back 40 years earlier when he killed the Egyptian and then it didn't work out the way that he thought he could work it out. Of course, that is always the case with a person who is called into service to the Lord. You're taken through various trials and experiences of failure to make you realize that this is not your game, it's the Lord's. It's not your power, it's the Lord's. It's not your plan, it's the Lord's. And it's not the purpose that you're working on, it's the purpose that He's working on through you. Now how you learn that is through a, a series of tests and even failures. And we're going to see that more even in this passage of Scripture here. Also, if you look at the, in many cases of uh, people serving the Lord, you'll find that many of the times the Lord provides someone to be there as support. In the case of Moses, his support came in the person of his brother Aaron. 
And of course, Aaron, he's not a perfect man either, but somehow the Lord came to him, spoke to him, and, and brought him together with Moses. Uh, and there are many times that Aaron is a very effective uh, encourager and, and, and comforter and, and support person for Moses. So here they are. Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Okay, in the minds of the people of Egypt and even in the brainwashed mind of Pharaoh, he's a god. He's god to these people. So you just don't come up, it would seem, and say to Pharaoh, you're going to do this because he's God. And he's also the king of the, of the mightiest empire, at least in that part of the world as far as anybody knew at that point in time. Boldly they come up, but their test, the, the, the test will, the, their faith will be tested um, and things are going to work such that they'll have to be brought back around to total dependence on Yahweh. Now they're armed with a commission of Yahweh. That would seem to be enough. And what Moses had been told, you can understand why he's moving in the way that he is. He's been told to go. So here he is. I don't know, I don't know how easy it was in that day. It, it's just, it's just the, the purpose of God that these two men were able to get uh, audience with the mightiest king on earth who was thought of as a god, but they did. These two very common guys, they're slaves. Their, their bloodline, the Hebrews, are slaves to the Egyptians. Uh, but somehow they are permitted to stand right in front of Pharaoh. And so here it goes. So said Yahweh Yisrael. So said Yahweh, God of Israel. Send out my people and let them sacrifice to me in the desert. Now that seems, that seems like a fairly simple request. But look at how, look at how it comes out in the court of Pharaoh. It's, it's like a, if you look at it in the, its original text there, as you can well see, <laughs> it comes out like a, like a command to Pharaoh. Send out my people, says Yahweh, and let them sacrifice to me in the desert. And Pharaoh said, Who is Yahweh? that I should heed his voice to let Israel out. I do not know Yahweh, neither will I let Israel out. Okay. This is not going to be as easy as Moses thought it was going to be. He has just had a long conversation with the true and living God who has armed Moses with three miracles all via his staff spoke from a burning bush that was not consumed, gave to Moses his name, something that the people did not really understand at that point in time, explained that he's the God of all gods, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's the God who's preserved them, he's never forgotten them, he's always watched them. This whole thing, in other words, is moving <coughs> according to his plan. So here's Pharaoh, and it would seem simple enough I'm going to go to Pharaoh and I'm just going to tell him what Yahweh said. Pharaoh said, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. 
I don't do what he says, and I'm not going to let Israel out. Israel belongs to me. So here you have a contrast of personalities. You have one who would enslave the people and one who would set the people free. You have one who thinks of himself as God and one who is the humble servant of the true and living God. All kind of contrasts could be made between Moses and Pharaoh. Verse 3. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has happened upon us. Now let us go on a three-day journey in the desert and sacrifice to Yahweh or, or Yahweh our God, lest he strike us with a plague or with a sword. So now they're arguing with a guy who thinks he's God. But the king of Egypt said to them, Why, Moses and Aaron, do you disturb the people from their work? Go to your own labors. And Pharaoh said, Look, now the people of the land are many, and you are stopping them from their labors. Pharaoh's very ambitious man. He was building memorials to himself, to his greatness. And memorials in his mind would, would last for, I don't know why, one who thought of himself as God had to build for himself an elaborate burial place if he was really God. But that's part of what he was doing. Uh, and he had people writing and etching into those stones the history of who he was. He's, a, he's kind of a narcissist. He, you know, most leaders are, right? Most, especially political leaders. They just love to kiss themselves in the mirror all the time. Uh, and Pharaoh was no different. So... He has this, this thing about the God of the Hebrews and Yahweh and all that and, and the fact that, that really all of Israel, now these are like, what, two, three million people, they're all very anxious to know how this comes out. Well, Pharaoh knows that and he's going to, he's going to take the opportunity to let Israel know that he's, he's God, that he's greater than any other God. And he's not scared of their God. So he's focused here in verses 4 and 5. He's focused on their work. And I'm sure in their anxiety, they're listening for word from Moses and Aaron. They're probably preparing themselves to go out and make a journey to sacrifice to Yahweh. This is all, I'm sure, a very exciting thing. But the only thing that the Pharaoh saw was... This is stopping their work. And I can't, I, you know, I, I can't go along with this. Verse 6. So that day, on that day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers. Okay, the taskmasters and their officers are like traitors. These are Hebrews who have forsaken their brethren and have accepted an appointment to overlord the work of the people. That means they're kind of heartless and cruel. They're turncoats, and they're as despised as anybody else. So Pharaoh brings these people in. Here's what he says, verse 7. You shall not continue to give stubble or, or straw. 
to the people to make the bricks like yesterday and the day before, yesterday and the day before yesterday, let them go and gather stubble for themselves. But the number of bricks they have been making yesterday and the day before yesterday, you shall impose upon them and you shall not reduce it for they are lax or they're lazy. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Pharaoh is going to get a little meaner with the people. Well, if you've got enough time to take three days off, then you've got too much time. That's, that's what he's saying. You ever worked for anybody like that? Yes. <laughs> you got too much time on your hands. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to bypass letting people bring you the stubble, the straw. We're going to let you get it yourself. But you can't back off what you've been producing in bricks cannot be diminished. You cannot go back. The quota is still the same. Well, really, this is, for all practical purposes, this is an impossible task. This is something that just really is unreasonable. So they cry out saying, let us go, whoops, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor fall heavy upon the men and let them work at it and let them not regard false words. He's saying they're lazy because they're saying we want to take time to sacrifice to our gods. Okay, we're going to let them take that time and do more work and quit paying attention to false words. So he calls God a liar, calls Moses a liar. Uh, and becomes very arrogant. This is known as the process of Pharaoh's hardening his heart. The more, the more the word of God comes to him, the harder his heart gets. This, uh, this episode here is replete with lessons for Moses and in the long run for the people that serving the Lord requires the mighty hand of the Lord. And Moses will be tested to see how he responds to this very difficult situation because it's going to get harder. Not only has, has the demand from Moses and Aaron to let the people go three days and sacrifice, not only has that hardened Pharaoh's heart and has it failed, it has, as a result, brought this very difficult workload upon them. So, you know, their workload is, they were hardly able to do what they were doing anyway, but now, now, it's been doubled. Look at that verse 9. Let the labor fall heavy upon the men and let them work at it and let them not regard false words. This is Pharaoh intimidating the people of God. Quit listening to these words. Quit paying attention to what you're being told. I am God and there is no other God and you're going to do what I say do. I'm not afraid. And anything that comes to you about 
the God of the Hebrews is all a lie. That's what Pharaoh says to the taskmasters and to the officers. And that is the message transmitted to the people. Let's look at verse 10. So the taskmasters of the people and their officers came out and spoke to the people saying, So said Pharaoh, I'm not giving you stubble. You go take for yourselves stubble from wherever you find it because nothing will be reduced from your work. So the people scattered throughout the entire land of Egypt to gather a gleaning for stubble. And the taskmasters were pressing them, saying, Finish your work, the requirement of each day in its day, just as when there was stubble. And the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had appointed over them, were beaten, saying, Why have you not completed your quota to make bricks like the day before yesterday, neither yesterday nor today. Now this whole thing takes place in a very brief span of time. This is not something that goes over several days. This is something that falls hard down upon these people. And you can see, you can see the difficulty. I mean, how would you feel if you're Moses? You know, you just talk to the God of heaven and you're doing what he said for you to do. Well, it continues in verse 15. So the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why do you do this to your servants? Stubble is not given to your servants, but they tell us make bricks and behold, your servants are beaten and your people are sinning. But he said, you're lazy. You're just lazy, that's all. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh. Now go and work, but you will not be given stubble. Nevertheless, the same number of bricks you must give or you must produce. Not going to back off on the quota, but I'm going to double your labor. Go and find your own straw. Now I'm not real familiar with the process of making bricks that are sufficient to build a pyramid or whatever, but apparently straw was very important. <laughs> it would hold the stuff together, I guess. Otherwise, it wouldn't, it wouldn't pass the, the quality test that uh, Pharaoh required for, for his, uh, his memorials. And I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have it. I read it along the way in studying for this, but uh, talking about what Moses left for his legacy and what Pharaoh left for his, and there was a, a poem written many, 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 many centuries ago, I guess, by a poet who happened through Egypt long after they had fallen out of their status of empire. And he was talking about how the only thing he could see, and it was difficult to decide and determine whether or not it was this pharaoh or another. He saw legs made out of rock, and then he saw some stuff collapsed. It's a poem, and it's much more eloquent than what I'm saying here, but, but <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was this guy saying, you know, this Pharaoh dude, he wasn't all that great. He spent a lot of time and money and forced a lot of people to build all this stuff, but you don't even know what, you, don't, you couldn't even put it back together. It's all collapsed and fallen and, and doesn't make sense to look at it, you know. Well, he didn't say this about Moses, but consider Moses. You and I tonight are studying Moses. Um, we don't know anything other than what the Bible tells us about Pharaoh. I'm sure we could research uh, Egyptian history, and maybe find out what people think they know about that particular pharaoh. But we know what we know about Moses. 
and uh, how important he has been not only to Judaism, but to Christianity as well. So he's investing all of this time, all of this money, and all of this manpower into something that is not going to make any difference in the span of time. It's just, it's just for himself. And he's forcing the people of God to work for himself who in his mind, in the minds of the Egyptians, is another God. Well, you can see how all this is going wrong in the, minds, in the mind of Yahweh. They're, they're being forced to serve a false God and provide material to build a memorial and treasure cities to a false God. So this, this, this thing is just kind of flipped upside down, but there is a test that has to be given. Now this is, let me tell you, you probably know this as well as I do, when you're going through a difficult test, you would probably think like Moses is going to reveal, this just ain't right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing what you said do, and it's all messed up. The people I'm supposed to be helping hate me for, what, for doing what you told me to do. Well, look at this, all right? The officers of the children of Israel saw them in distress, saying, Do not reduce the number of your bricks, the requirement of each day in its day. Then they met Moses and Aaron standing before them when they came out from Pharaoh's presence. So you see, all this is in a short period of time. And they said to them, May Yahweh look upon you and judge, for you have brought us into foul odor in the eyes of Pharaoh. You have made us stink in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to place a sword into their hands to kill us. So the guy that came to help them is getting chewed out by the people who were supposed to be getting helped. And this hurts. I'm telling you, this hurts. So look what happens. Moses returned to Yahweh. That's a good sign. Moses has nowhere else to go. He's, he's left Midian. That's, that's not an option anymore. He's cut his ties there. He's cut his ties with Egypt. The only, and now, obviously, the people have, are trying to cut their ties with him. And through the story of the Exodus, poor old Moses, he, <laughs> he's going to catch it more than once. But it doesn't matter if the Lord is always there to whom he can return. As long as the Lord is there, it's going to work out. So Moses returned to Yahweh and said, Adonai, why have you harmed this people? Why have you sent me? That's a good question. Because he asked not to be sent in the first place, remember? Well, Mr. Burning Bush, let me give you a half dozen reasons why this ain't going to work out and why I ain't the guy. At the end of which, Yahweh said, you're the guy. Now this failure. I mean, this, this could be seen as a failure. Moses has failed again, but this time he's doing what he knows he was sent to do. Why? Have you sent me? Well, 
was I was I not a big enough idiot out there just as a shepherd? I mean, you know, I I I I wasn't bothering anybody. I was all to myself. Is 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 was that not enough? You know, I've got to be less than nothing. Why have you sent me? Since I have come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's harmed the people, and you have not saved your people. That's, that's a reasonable argument. I don't. I learned early in life not to sass your father. So he's kind of sassy there, but he's emotional. He failed. He failed doing what the Almighty had told him to do. So, you know, he, he goes, what this means is Moses is still being built as leader and as servant. God is still developing him. But it, I'm going to end it here in chapter 6. Can't end it there. I've got to go to the next chapter. <laughs> and Yahweh said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a mighty hand he will send them out. And with a mighty hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am Yahweh. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So the adventure gets a little more exciting and a little more uh, definitive next time. But I don't want to go any farther than, than this uh, so that we can see the mighty hand of Yahweh all together in, a, in another complete lesson. All right, so let's pray. Lord, we marvel at how you take care of us. And how we are only invited to run to you and you'll cover us. Father, bless our lives and help us to always be in the shadow of your wings and to lean upon you ever and always for sustenance, guidance, and help. In Jesus' name, amen.